over the course of many years, it's interesting the way that we have an opportunity to know people of distinction in and around the game of golf. I've always said this, that when you have a conversation with a major champion, if you listen, if you take the time to listen, there are always pearls of wisdom embedded in almost anything that you're saying in any, in any conversation. When it comes to Hal Sutton, it's particularly interesting that in the time that we've been doing this show, we knew him before he was eligible for what's now called the PGA Tour Champions, before the heart attack, before the hip replacement, as he'd gone into these pathways of passion of which he has a great deal of it, a conviction and a wanting for success for generations after wanting to perform well for his own children so that they would know the man that was the competitor as well as the man that is their father. All of these things, all of these things, backed by an incredibly impressive competitive resume. In 1980, Hal Sutton was the Golf Magazine College Player of the Year. He turned pro in 1981. He would end up winning 14 times on the PGA Tour. And of those 14 times, it included the 1983 PGA Championship. He won the Players' Championship, too. Not once, but twice. His awards speak to the way that the world sees him. In 2007, he received the Payne Stewart Award from the PGA Tour. He was a member of four United States Ryder Cup teams. He was captain of the United States Ryder Cup team in 2004. All told, the accounting on the Flat Belly Tour, he played in 68 major championships. And get this, of those 68, you do the percentages, it speaks to, it, uh, to itself, 16 top 25s. Eight top tens. All told, he played in 646 PGA Tour events. Add to that an additional 131 PGA Tour Champions events. That's a combined 777 Tour events. With those wins, 18 runner-ups, 10 third-place finishes, and 135 top tens. Incredibly impressive, as is the man himself. We welcome Hal Sutton to the show. Hal, how have you been? I'm good. Man, you made me feel good about all that past. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Dude, it's your past. You authored all that. It's, it's, I hope, do you take the time? Do you ever get a chance to kind of stare at the, at the dancing embers of the fire and remember? Uh, you know, I take life a day at a time, and uh, I don't look back very much. Uh, I'm always trying to look ahead and see what the next step is. Is that is that something that's innate to who you are, or is that just the the nature of of a uh, uh, you know hunt? You got to go out and hunt for your food because of the because of your profession as a professional golfer. I'm not quite sure. My dad was always never looking in the past and always looking in the future. And, you know, he wouldn't even celebrate a victory. He 
was always looking, okay, what's next? What's next? So he wouldn't even let me do that. And I, I think that's a little bit of a mistake. I tell all the kids that I work with, look, we're going to celebrate a victory for a minute, for a little bit of time this evening. And then we're going to start thinking about the next one tomorrow. Uh, my dad was pretty quick to start thinking about the next one as soon as you lifted the trophy from the one you just won. And I'm not sure, you know, sometimes you got to take a moment to be grateful. And I think gratitude is something we're missing in America. This What we're going through right now is uh, going to remind us to be grateful. Do you think that on the other side of this virus that, society is going to if they haven't at least learned something then otherwise are going to change well i hope so i think you know i think we're getting a lesson right now just like you're going in for a golf lesson on your on your game i think we're getting a lesson on what we're missing and uh, i hope we get the whole lesson instead of part of the lesson and um you know this is tough to endure i mean i don't think any of us that that can hear or talk right now has ever seen anything like what we're experiencing right now. And, uh, I mean, I think we're all in shock in many ways on how to even deal with it. When you, Hal, you were talking about how appreciative you were of the way that I laid out Hal Sutton, the man, but even when you look across the, the, the past decade plus, the various, what I would call them volumes of Hal Sutton, the various editions of Hal Sutton. Are you aware of the kind of flow and ebb of who you've been in the, in the last say decade, decade and a half and what you've had to endure, what you've had to overcome, what you set forth as goals and who you are now as a result? Well, you know, I've lived this life and sometimes I have to be reminded of what I lived through. Um, uh, as I, you know, I, you know, early on in my career, people didn't think I'd ever had any physical problems because of the way I swung the club, and all I've had is physical problems. <laughs> so the lesson in that is, is you can never predict anything in the future, and you know you have to be ready for everything. And you know, I, I'm not going to lie to you; I can't hit the ball the way I used to be able to hit it. I go out. I was. I spent two hours on the practice range today, trying to hit it the way I used to. I walk off the range, and sometimes I feel good about it, and sometimes I don't. And I have to remind myself that I'm almost 62 years old, and maybe I'll never hit it like I used to be able to hit it again. So, you know, one of the things that I struggle with is, is trying to remain relevant in a game that I love so much. And my only way to really be relevant in the game that I love so much is to take the wisdom that I've got out of the game and give it to someone else. How would you define that wisdom? Uh, hard earned. <laughs> hmm. I, I've, I've gotten a lot of, uh, you know, most of the wisdom that I have. I mean, this, this is something that people don't really want to, uh, think about very much, but most of the wisdom comes from the failures, not the successes. And, you know, interesting. Uh, the also another thing that I might say that I heard Mark Cuban say today that I thought was brilliant is 
perfection is the enemy of progress. And I think every young golfer out there needs to hear that over and over again. Perfection is the enemy of progress. Trying to be perfect will cause failure. How much did you chase perfection then? Far more than I should have. Uh, you know, I didn't hear those sort of things. You know, and, and this is really unfortunate. Uh, young people don't want to listen to the people that have the lessons, that have learned those lessons. You know, they, you know, I hear this out of my kids all the time. I got it. I got it. They don't have anything. You know, I'm like, I look at them and I'm like, hmm, I wish you did, but you don't even come close to having it yet. But you will one day. And it could be either a world of trouble to get there or it could be less troublesome to get there. Kind of depends on how much you listen. <laughs> Maybe not to me, but to someone else too, you know. Hopefully it's the right person. Do you think when, you, when you're talking about young people and the importance of listening in terms of progression, uh, learning obviously that, that accompanies with, with listening, uh, is, is that state something new or is it, are we talking about what I was your age, you know, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Is it, is it a generational thing do you think, or is it simply an age thing and it's existed if, amongst every 12 to 16 year old ish? Well, I think every young kid is caught up in, I want to show you dad that I can do this. And at the same time, you know, that comes off as, I got it, I got it, I got it, even when they don't have it. And, you know, if I had any influence over any young people out there in the world, you learn when you're listening and you're teaching when you're talking. So how much at 16-year-old do you know to be able to teach someone else? And that would not be a lot. And... If we could all start acting like that, you know, and I mean, you know, I see this all the time with youngsters that I'm trying to help with their golf game, and I'm not talking for me, I'm talking for you, you know, I'm trying to help you learn what I've already experienced, and, you know, my dad used to tell me like this, Hal, I'm not trying to force this on you, I'm just thinking that if you learn what I learned at 35, if you'll learn it at 16, how much better off are you? That's pretty powerful. That's very powerful. Is Have you learned over the years, Hal Sutton, that there, there are ways to get people, young people or otherwise, any age, to get people to listen? What's the art of that? Well, I think the art to the answer is in the question. And I've found it to be much more beneficial to ask questions of the kids rather than to tell them the answer. If you'll help them come to the answer, rather hmm. than you give them the answer, it'll last much longer, and it'll, it'll be more beneficial to them. You already know where you're trying to go, so ask them the questions that get them to know, to get where you're trying to get them to get. Can you give us an example of what you mean? Uh, mm, while I was talking to a young man the other day about his golf swing, I asked him, I said, so I'm not even going to mention any names on who this was, but mm -hmm. I, he, I asked him, I said, so 
what's the best part of your game? I mean, no, I'm sorry. I said, what is the part of your game that needs the most work? And he said, well, he said, uh, I'm a really good driver of the ball. He said, uh, I'm above average in distance, and where everybody else hits an iron, I hit the driver. I said, well, that's great, but that's not what I asked you. And I said, one of the first things that I think is true for you becoming a great player, which you say you want to be, is you must learn how to be honest with yourself. You can lie to everybody else out there, but you cannot lie to yourself. I said, so I'm going to ask you one more time. What part of your game needs the most work? And you don't even have to answer me, but you better decide that for yourself. See, the point is, he didn't even want to tell me what the worst part of his game was. He wanted to tell me what the best part of his game is. And that's really the youth of America today. And, you know, that's a good sight. That's really good. I'm glad everybody knows what they do really well. But if you really want to get better, you better figure out how to make your weaknesses stronger than they are. Hmm. And if you can't make them stronger, you better decide what they are so you can play away from them and into the strengths of your game. When you won the PGA Championship in 1983, Hal Sutton, in relative terms, in life terms, you were still pretty young. You were still pretty fresh on the path. When you think about that, winning that early and breaking through that early, does it add weight to the rest of the journey or does it give you conviction and confidence to carry on? It adds a lot of pressure to it. I mean, I I have to be honest with you, I, I don't like calling names out. But I feel sorry for what Jordan Spieth is going through right now because he said he had so much early success that that changed everybody's expectations for Jordan Spieth, including his own. And all of a sudden, everybody's writing everything about what's right, and then when things aren't going as well, they're writing about everything that's wrong. And honestly, you become rabbit ears. You want to please. You want to be the best that everybody thinks you can be. And you start trying to live up to everybody else's expectations, and life is so busy and so ugly, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not pleasant, and, and there's no happiness in it. And I can tell you when Jordan was playing as great as he was, <clears throat> he was really happy. And he was trying to define who he was, and guess what? He was liking who he was. Mm-hmm. And that's what I experienced in my lifetime. You know, they were. I didn't know how good I could be. And I, I certainly didn't think I was going to be as good as everybody was talking about me being, but I was on the path trying to be as good as I could be. And then when I started winning in the year, I won TPC and the PGA in the same year. People were like, hey, this might be the next Nicholas. And then they started writing about that. And then a guy you know, writes that I'll never win the Masters because I don't hit it high enough. But guess what? I'm, I'm changing my game for a guy that's just pushing a pencil that may not know squat about golf. And see, that's what happens in this. That's why people need people with wisdom next to their side. People that can keep them in reality, keep them in the truth, not somebody else's, you know, fantasy land. So who did you find that could do that for you? Who was your source of wisdom through all those years? Even now, Hmm. Well, 
I didn't handle it good for a while, to be honest with you. I left the game. You know, I played, but I left. I started buying a bunch of cutting horses, and I started trying to be a cowboy instead of being a golfer because I didn't want to be amidst of all of the stuff that everybody was writing and talking about. And I thought, you know what? This used to be fun for me. This is not any fun anymore. And, you know, I hope Jordan Spieth is listening to me right now because if he is, he's going to get some wisdom here right now. And, you know, I would I would say to Jordan Spieth, find out who you want to be and you be that and don't answer to anybody else for it. And that be your daily drive every day to be who Jordan Spieth wants to be, not who the world wants him to be. I couldn't do that very well. It took me a long time. When I had my first child, I finally decided, look, I want them to know who I really am. I want them to know that I could really play the game. And I changed at that point. So it took something else to make me make that decision. Does Hal Sutton feel comfortable in his own skin then now? I feel good about who I am. I wish I could play golf uh, at a higher level than I do right now. But, uh, you know, if I don't ever make another birdie, which I'm sure I will, but, you know, I've made enough. And uh, I learned a lot from the game. I've got a lot to give back to the game. And, you know, I'll tell you about a little thing I did last week. I, I did a little dinner for – 12 of the best players in, in Houston. And I talked about, do we have a responsibility to the game? And y'all are some of the best players in the, in the game. And I went around the room and I said, okay, what's everybody's lowest score? You know, highest score, lowest score, but the highest score in the room was 66. And there were some 61s and 62s. These were really good players. And I said, do we have a responsibility going forward? Do you think that, you just play in and win in tournaments. Is that, is that really your responsibility or do we owe something back to the game? Do we owe something back to the youth in the game? Do we need to steer the game in a certain direction? Because I'm not sure the leaders in the game can, are steering it correctly. So let's, Mm -hmm. you know, when I turned pro, this is really funny. You need to hear this. When I turned pro, the last sleeve of balls that I bought was $4 a sleeve. Now they're $13. When I went through the tour, I had four dozen balls in my locker. When I got there, I had a dozen gloves and whatever clubs I needed for the week, and they wired the money into my account on Wednesday. So how many things do you do in your lifetime that you can play and you earn a living and they wire the money into your account on Wednesday? So, And I said to all 12 of these guys, don't blame a tour player because every one of you would have signed up for that. Now, don't blame the tour player because they don't understand what you're going through as a consumer because they signed up for something different, and luckily they got there. Now, I'm not sure that's going to change the game. The game that we all fell in love with is different now. You know, in the old days, I'll give you some for instances. Yeah. Yeah. The most exciting part about a golf game is the ball curved, you know, and when it was exciting when it curved, because when a guy could curve it on demand, if he could aim it down the left side and fade it back into the center of the fairway, like Lee Trevino did, he earned our respect. And it was exciting to watch him do that. And then 
when he didn't intend to do it, but it curved and went in the woods. That was also exciting because we got to see how he got out of trouble. Now we live in a world where there's no curve. It's pull or push and bombs away. Back in those early days, if a guy didn't hit it really long, that didn't matter because he could still be a good chipper. He could be a good putter. He could be a good iron player. He still had a chance. Now if you're 15 years old and you don't hit it nine miles, I'm sorry, but you don't have the game that is going to be required to play the PGA Tour. Is that a better game, Matty? I'm just curious. Is that a better game? Yeah. I, you know what it reminds me of, Hal? It reminds me of, I, I hate to take you down another road, but but something you said the last time you and I spoke stuck with me so much that it just popped in my head again right now. And that was the time when you said to the kid, and I know as soon as I say this, you're going to remember the conversation. You said, I want to see you hit hit the ball 148 yards. No, no, no. You said, I want to see you hit an 8 on 148 yards. And he reaches and grabs his 9 iron. You said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I want to see you hit an 8 iron 148 yards you were trying to teach these kids to work the golf ball and even if the equipment is hard to make it happen be imaginative you use your imagination make it happen am i going down the right road you're definitely going down the right road every kid out there right now and i know every kid that's listening to me and every dad that's out there listening to me i hope you heed what i'm about to say every kid wants to nuke every shot that they hit so if they've got a 150 yard shot and when they nuke a nine iron, that'll it'll go 150 yards. Well, if they don't nuke it, it goes somewhere short of that. So they never hit it pin high. And all of the greatest players that I ever saw in my life hit it pin high all the time. And they couldn't nuke every shot and hit it pin high all the time. We are not teaching feel in the game. We are not teaching art in the game. We are teaching science in the game. And there is still an artistic part of this game that the kids are listening. And the night that I did the dinner, I said, I believe in data. I believe in the future of what we're looking at. But I believe the complete player of the future is going to know both art and data. Absolutely fascinating. You know, I know I know I've discussed this with you before because when you go through this stuff, it is so intriguing and fascinating to me. It it it, it triggers this thought in my mind every time, Al Sutton. And that is this: with everything that you accomplished in the game, major champion players, all of it, all the starts, all the wins, everything. Do you, in some way, see the legacy of who you ultimately be, will be remembered as? as the guy that imparts this kind of wisdom to the generations behind the selflessness of helping them? I hope that's the case. I want that to be the case. You know, I, I live in, I hope everybody hears what I'm about to say this time. In order to be great, you must be selfish. You must surround yourself with people that allow you to be selfish. But you must also surround yourself with people that will tell you the truth. And you not feel offended with the truth, but realize that the truth, the reason why they tell you the truth is to help you reach your goals, not someone else's goals. And if we surround ourselves with people like that, if the youth of America surrounds themselves with people like that, how great can they be? So if I can play a role in being one of those people to somebody, I'd love to do that. 
Is Hal Sutton happy with life right now? I am. I just had a grandchild today, so yes, I am. I'm, hey, I, I have, hey, congrats. One of my daughters had a, a little girl today. Her name is Tatum, and life is good. I have a oh, grandson. Awesome. His name is Ashton, and he's 16 months old, so I've got a little fella that maybe one day will let me teach him a little bit about golf, I hope. Jesus, great. Well, Hal Sutton, it is, it is such a pleasure to catch up with you and and these conversations are ones that I think could go on literally for hours. And I appreciate whenever you impart your wisdom to us. And I hope uh, whenever you feel like something came up that you think that you want to comment on, please feel free to do so. We love having you on the show. Congratulations with the new grandchild. And we wish you the very, very best moving forward. Well, I I appreciate that. And I always love being on your show. It's uh, I, you're so thoughtful in what you ask. And, uh, you know, so many people don't want any wisdom in their life, but you're always trying to impart wisdom on your show. And I like being part of that. I, I, I'm looking for wisdom every day. What can, what'll make house sudden better?